Hey there, I'm Shane Mack. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Assist, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. Uh, this is the uh, show that brings you the lifestyles of other appreneurs. So I'm giving you a different episode uh, this this time. It's uh, completely different because uh, I am an appreneur and I am currently living as an appreneur, traveling around Asia and meeting some of the most amazing people in the world. And I'm going to introduce some of these people to you and talk about them in this episode and just give you a taste of what it really is like to uh, live life uh, traveling around with total freedom. So it's a very different episode from perhaps some of the other several hundred episodes you've listened to with uh, guest interviews. It is equally inspirational. I am totally blown away by the lifestyle that you could potentially achieve as an appreneur. I'm going to give you a taste of it uh, in this episode. So do stay tuned. But before I start, let me thank the sponsors who help make this show possible. Uh, first is TopTal. TopTal is a network of the world's best developers and designers. So if you are looking to build something, if you have a project, if you're looking for a developer to supplement your team, uh, then the best place to go to is toptal.com forward slash pool, toptal.com forward slash pool and get an up to two week trial with a developer of your choosing. If it doesn't work out, then TopTal will cover you the costs of those two weeks. So that's toptal.com forward slash pool and also Gummy Cube. Gummy Cube has been a long-standing sponsor of the show. They are the world's best when it comes to app store optimization. App store optimization is uh, the process of getting your apps higher up the uh, search in Apple iTunes and Google Play. So uh, go to app, sorry, uh, the app store. <laughs> so go to and gummycube.com that's gummycube g-u-m-m-i-c-u-b-e gummycube.com and you know thanks very much to gummycube for continuing to support this show um, so uh, i am recording this first of all from a wonderful digital office in bali uh, it's uh, in indonesia uh, i'm in ubud uh, which is in the center of bali it's uh, right next to a monkey forest. Some of you may have even uh, come across here. It's a beautiful bamboo digital hub. There are hundreds of digital entrepreneurs sitting in here. Uh, there's Apple Macs everywhere. There's people Skyping, messaging. It's a very uh, active uh, office, um, but a beautiful, there's bean bags outside. There's an organic cafe. It's just uh, absolutely idyllic and I love working from locations like this overlooking the rice fields and uh, occasionally a monkey dropping in and jumping on the roof so really a, a very interesting place to work and I've met some of the uh, most interesting people um, I've ever met whilst on this journey so let me uh, talk through what I plan to do I plan to go through um, uh, giving you a taste of what it's like to be an entrepreneur in this um, traveling around, certainly in Asia, uh, give you uh, a sense of some of the people I've met. Uh, I'll actually give you some tips as well on my travels, uh, what I've learned from the traveling process, and uh, also then introduce you to 
some really interesting people, including a Canadian monk. I'm going to talk about a Canadian monk who uh, manages to live on $4,000 a year, which is phenomenal, and he's been doing that for 10 years. And also a, a Norwegian couple who I met uh, whilst um, working on an island that I can run around in 30 minutes. So really interesting stuff uh, that I'm going to go through. And so to start with then, uh, let me just talk through this first bit and give you a sense of what I do and why I do it. Uh, so one of the reasons I'm in the digital space and into podcasting and apps is that uh, I uh, love the sense of freedom that you could attain and uh, I've got two kids. Uh, they're currently aged six, uh, twin boys. Um, but before school, uh, we were actually spending a lot of time living abroad. And uh, I would spend four months at a time living in places, mainly Dubai, but also um, we did a ski season in France. And we had the boys. We didn't have to worry about their education. Um, but when it got to school age, uh, because the UK is our my, my predominant home, uh, the um, the, the case of um, living in the UK is kind of appealing because uh, the schools are free and uh, if you go to an international school um, my wife's very keen to have the kids um, learn more than just traveling they, she wants them to have a proper education and so it can be you know twelve thousand dollars each kid up to fifteen thousand dollars a year uh, for for um, each kid so we decided to live in the UK but have these awesome experiences um, whilst uh, the kids were on their school holidays and in the UK you do get these really long holidays and so we're, we're traveling over the summer it's going to be around about 60 days I think uh, and um, it was a case of the, the boys came out of school uh, we drove straight to the airport jumped on a plane uh, and then we flew to uh, have a stopover in Dubai at the Atlantis highly recommend going to the Atlantis uh, for a night uh, you can get, probably get a good deal as well I had a half price deal um, which is the, one of the world's most luxurious hotels with a massive water park uh, and then on to um, uh, Kuala Lumpur now the first tip that I've got for you is quite an interesting one uh, I didn't know this but Emirates have uh, I flew Emirates I really love Emirates but this time around they uh, have um, been overbooking their passengers and um, they have this policy of they're allowed to overbook by 10% assuming that some people won't turn up and stuff like that well uh, in Dubai uh, there were some very, really angry people very very angry people who uh, were getting kicked off the, the, the flight because uh, they were overbooked and um, they had to then start to uh, make decisions on who to keep now I've always had this policy of um, pre-booking the food booking special food and I think that uh, I was certainly told um, in the past that if you pre-book uh, food, <laughs> special food, then uh, they're less likely to kick you off and uh, we still got on. Um, there was a lot of um, queuing and uh, nervousness but we, uh, and we were split up as a family but we still got on the flight uh, although they didn't put our bag on the flight, we certainly got on the flight and uh, I think then everyone should be pre-booking food just to make sure that you actually uh, are able to catch the flight you booked on. Um, now, uh, Kuala Lumpur is a fantastic uh, experience um, and uh, in fact a great hub to be based from because when in Kuala Lumpur 
uh, you can use Air Asia, which is the low-cost carrier of Asia, and they are remarkably cheap and really safe and really great experiences. So I booked uh, Air Asia. I would recommend booking uh, premium tickets. They're a little bit more money, but what they do is give you the flexibility of cancelling, I think, up to two hours before you fly and you can change your book, you certainly can change your booking. And whilst uh, we flew to Cambodia for $25 uh, per ticket, uh, um, we, uh, I actually ended up uh, extending our stay there because we loved it so much. Uh, and so uh, we flew to Air Asia, uh, to Cambodia, Siam Reap, which is uh, very famous for its temples. Uh, I recommend staying in a place called La Blanc Residence. It was about $20 a night and they uh, are on Airbnb, uh, um, but I, pro I mean, you can always book direct if you know the, um, the place. And they are the friendliest um, hosts I think I've ever met. There's a swimming pool and uh, it's fairly close to downtown. Um, a tuk-tuk ride from the airport was about $5. Oh yeah, by the way, um, the, the mistake I made is that uh, when going to uh, Cambodia, they predominantly use dollars and so take a ton of uh, single dollars, $1 notes, uh, and uh, don't be tempted to exchange into local currency, just take dollars. Uh, the bank machines spit out dollars, everyone accepts dollars, the US dollar, and uh, in fact, um, when they sometimes occasionally don't um, give you full change in dollars, they may give you local currency, but it's pretty much you can get by with just dollars. Um, Pub Street's the best for the internet. Um, the internet wasn't great in Siam Reap. Uh, it was about two megabytes per second, occasionally up to five. But the best place I found was uh, Pub Street, which is in the heart of Siam Reap. Um, the beautiful thing about that is that they give beers away for 50 cents. Um, for a, a beer during the happy hour, you can just sit there drinking beer and working uh, in Pub Street, which is um, the, uh, the, probably the most popular place to go. Um, the things that we uh, enjoyed uh, as a family in um, Cambodia were the uh, Flight of the Gibbon, which is um, uh, this really wonderful experience of uh, f flying through the uh, forest on zip lines and uh, yeah, great safety as well, uh, good fun and the temples um, and I actually ended up going to Angkor Wat definitely do the sunrise in, um, in Angkor Wat that was uh, fantastic uh, and uh, there's this temple as well uh, which is about an hour and a half tucked up drive away from Siam Reap it's the furthest one away on the map uh, that was probably my favorite because you could just climb all over the uh, temple explore go in and out of uh, different uh, rooms and uh, it's just like a scene out of Laura Croft, the movie, all those years ago. And it was just idyllic. Very, very beautiful. Great scenery. Lovely. Um, there's a lake tour as well. You do that for sunset near Siam Reap. Um, be careful, though, that the first stop of the boat is to a, a shop where you're expected to buy uh, $30 or $50 worth of rice that you then give to the local school. Um, which um, was a surprise, but uh, and, and who knows whether it goes to the school or not. But um, uh, certainly, uh, it just made me realise, goodness, the poverty that some of these people live in in Cambodia. Uh, there was kids um, swimming around in this disgusting quality water. Uh, they have a lot of deaths from um, the, uh, I guess, the diseases of the the, the water contain, uh, the water contains and. Um, 
so, but l wonderful experience. Um, um, certainly, my kids uh, loved the experience. And then we flew um, back to Kuala Lumpur. Kuala Lumpur is amazing. Uh, the, the internet speed is um, up to 70 megabytes per second, which is uh, pretty phenomenal. Better than in the UK for me. And uh, I ended up staying in an Airbnb in the heart of uh, Kuala Lumpur, overlooking the Petronas Towers. And, uh, and the Kuala Lumpur Tower, that was, uh, it was about $40 a night, I think. Now, Kuala Lumpur is a bit more expensive, certainly for gadgets and uh, anything electronic and going out, food uh, can be a bit more expensive, certainly since we're used to Cambodia prices. So as a place to live and work uh, as a digital nomad, I'm not sure. Uh, I didn't see a huge community of digital nomads, um, but uh, certainly as a, uh, a hub, to be based from, um, to kind of use AirAsia to go out to all the different countries, then it's good. Um, now be careful of the airports. The thing I learned about Kuala Lumpur is it does have two airports. There's the international airport and then there's the uh, low-cost carrier airport or known as KLIA2. Um, they are uh, several kilometers apart. You do need to get a train to connect you or a taxi. And um, so if you are going to book an international flight and then book an AirAsia flight, do make sure that you leave maybe uh, four to five hours of connection time because uh, it is a, a fairly um, long process of getting out of one airport, going through customs in a low-cost carrier airport and um, getting to your flight, which is uh, quite a long walk as well. Uh, yeah, Kuala Lumpur was fantastic. So then. Uh, flew to uh, Bali. Now I'm not going to go through um, Bali or Gilliers, the Gilier Islands or um, Lombok this this time around. I think I might save that for a future episode. There's a lot of uh, stuff that I've learned, um, but that gives you a taste of the things I've learned whilst traveling, certainly traveling through Asia and connecting to the internet. Uh, so uh, now that we've learned that, what about let's go into some of the people that I uh, met along my, my journey. B before I do that though, I do want to just take this opportunity to thank the sponsors that make this show possible. And the first is TopTal. TopTal is the world's best when it comes to developers and designers. Uh, they're interesting because they have a lot of um, Dif different uh, skill sets uh, within the developer community and they have a very high bar when it comes to uh, assessments. In fact, less than 3% or less than the uh, developers applying to become part of their network don't uh, only make it. So only 3% of um, their network uh, make it through, uh, which is a really high bar. In fact, it's higher than some of the uh, other institutions like um, any of the Ivy League schools or uh, the uh, Navy SEALs uh, and uh, it just shows you that, that the benefit is that you can go to this network of developers and designers and you can get uh, instant access to some of the, the world's best and, and you'll be up and running uh, in, in no time. Uh, in fact you're introdu introduced typically to um, developers and you could be they could be part of your team uh, within a very short space of time. Uh, sometimes like uh, within two weeks and so uh, I highly recommend them they uh, have uh, a wonderful um, uh, sort of uh, sense of uh, uh, ethics and the way they work uh, they're passionate about the projects they take on and the uh, the people that 
if you are a developer who luckily does get through the assessment process, then the work you can expect is of high quality. Uh, it's not uh, the cheapest, but it is the best in terms of return on investment because you don't want to be going through uh, the experience of hiring a poor developer, bad communication, having to use the tools that our developer wants and just being burnt. Go to the best in the industry, go to TopTal's network, that's toptal.com forward slash pool. toptal.com forward slash pool uh, is the best place to go to and if you do go to that link you will get an up to two week trial. Uh, what that means is TopTal will cover the costs of uh, the developer if for some reason it doesn't work out and they'll introduce you to another developer to make sure you're happy. They're that confident of their, their service. So toptile.com forward slash Paul. Thank you very much to Toptile for sponsoring the show. Uh, next is a Gummy Cube. A Gummy Cube is the world's best when it comes to App Store optimization. Now it's pretty obvious what App Store optimization is. It's optimizing your app to have the best location it can possibly achieve within the App Stores. That's the Google Play store and the uh, Apple App Store and uh, what they do is they use data from the app stores to help increase your search rankings uh, using App Store optimization uh, and why does it matter well it matters a lot because uh, the 63% of all apps are still discovered through App Store search uh, you just look and think about your own behavior uh, if you're looking for an app I was looking for one the other day I go to the App Store and I search and so you do need to sort of appear uh, higher up on the search rankings. Some of my past guests have given tips away on how to do uh, great app store optimization. And um, what you don't want to be doing is using any tools that tend to pull um, the uh, data from desktop search. Uh, the web data does not match the um, mobile data in terms of search. So go to the best in the business, go to GummyCube, G-U-M-M-I-C-U-B-E, GummyCube.com. And if you do want to listen to a past archive episode, there is one with Dave Bell, who is the uh, co-founder of GummyCube. Great episode, still very relevant to listen to that. Thank you very much, GummyCube, for continuing to sponsor this show. Um, so let's carry on then with uh, some of the fantastic people that I met. Uh, now, whilst in the uh, line trying to get through Passport, um, control in Lombok, uh, I bumped into um, a guy uh, called uh, Jan. Now he's interesting because he is uh, a Canadian, a Canadian monk and he was in the whole corporate game, he was doing a, you know, the usual thing, working hard on his career and then uh, he decided to uh, have a different kind of life. He officially retired retired I think at the age of 42 and uh, he first of all studied uh, and um, practiced as a monk um, and then when he realized that wasn't really giving him the freedom he was uh, searching he then decided to, to go into uh, traveling now the most impactful thing he told me is that he has been retired now for 10 years he's only 52 now think and uh, he's working or well, he's not he's not worked at all um, but he's waiting for his um, retirement uh, from the state I think uh, the Canadian retirement plan is fa fairly okay uh, uh, but remarkably he lives on a budget get this a budget of only four 
thousand US dollars per year. Four thousand US dollars per year is his total budget. And he explained to me that he is not limited by uh, budget, uh, unlike um, you would expect. He's actually limited by time. He just doesn't have enough time to do all the things he wants to do. So uh, a, a really interesting um, guy and uh, he did actually take details of my podcast. I'm hoping he'll get in touch and we can actually delve into how he can achieve that $4,000 budget a year. I know he does he does do a lot of uh, things like not pre-booking uh, hostels or um, anywhere to stay, guest houses. He turns up and negotiates, tends to spend um, $5, $10 a night max. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess he's got some other good tips in terms of um, food and uh, travel. Um, he happened to be on um, the flight because I think there was a promotion and he decided to just jump on the flight. So uh, what a, an, an, uh, an achievement living on $4,000 a year. And it made me realize, you know, we spend on this podcast a lot of time looking at the upside, looking at the potential from earnings on the App Store. But if you're in a position to live on $4,000 a year, why, I mean, why not just, um, it's so much easier to, as an appreneur, to supplement your uh, income with income uh, from, you know, the digital space. And uh, he, he actually was quite interested in learning how to make money in the digital space. So, um, really interesting potential food for thought for anyone out there who uh, is um, concerned about, uh, you know, covering all their expenses if they're living in a very expensive place around the world. Uh, now the other interesting couple I met uh, is a Norwegian couple and uh, they're Heldi and Jarli Ersland. Uh, they uh, have three children. Uh, now the interesting thing is if you think that you need to be 20 and free from any commitments then think again you know in terms of becoming a digital nomad uh, because here's a um, uh, someone who had both of these had careers uh, held in as a social worker and Yali was running his own business um, but he realized that the business was running him rather than him running the business he wanted to do something different she definitely loved traveling and wanted to do something different uh, they came for a hol holiday in Bali and loved it so much they decided to then make a commitment to go back over and they're now running their own business on the island of Gili Air beautiful paradise island that I ran around within 30 minutes I ran around the entire island uh, and everyone knows everyone else wonderful um, environment and they bought some land now the land ownership was quite challenging because uh, the land cannot be owned by a foreigner um, but luckily they managed to befriend a another Norwegian who was married to a local uh, Indonesian and because of that the ownership was still within their name um, but they could then have a sli slightly more trust in terms of uh, the the way that they can uh, uh, write up the contract to build buy this land and so yeah really interesting and, and yeah the kids were being homeschooled uh, which was um, uh, interesting which then I guess um, helped me learn that you know there are alternatives to the twelve to fifteen thousand dollars for the international schools uh, living is cheap as well because obviously on an island there's just not that much to do not much to buy so uh, you don't have uh, much cost very very interesting couple quite inspirational to meet um, other 
uh, other business people that are doing some really awesome things like like um, living on an island uh, running a business so I'm getting towards the end of this episode now I've learned a lot more met a lot more interesting people but I wanted to give you a taste of what it's like to live as a digital nomad traveling around again I'm recording you uh, this podcast from a very idyllic setting uh, a really nice warm temperature as well and uh, I think if you're listening to this whilst uh, frustrated because you're stuck in traffic or uh, maybe you're uh, listening to this whilst uh, you should be doing some proper work in your corporate job or uh, maybe you're uh, just about to finish university and you're not quite sure what direction to take then just introduce yourself open your mind to the idea of becoming a digital nomad um, because if you think about the work that we do a lot of it can be achieved within the digital space here I am communicating to you broadcasting to you um, and I don't need much of a setup at all just an Apple Mac and an iPhone in fact I'm recording this on the iPhone so uh, and most of the conversations I have uh, are through the digital space and so we and, and, and I've been listening to an awesome book I highly recommend it called um, inevitable by Kevin Kelly and he was predicting the future is is uh, likely to increase in terms of telepresence so that at some point we will have projected holograms uh, for meetings where we can have more of a telepresence with the people that we're chatting to uh, we'll be uh, meeting them within virtual reality and and so if you think about the way the future is going the point what is the point of living somewhere that is high cost that you're unhappy with uh, that it means you, for your money you can only afford um, you know a small um, place to live uh, what is the point of that when you can just go and live in a low-cost country and a good amount and uh, live a life of freedom and meet some of the most interesting people in the world as well so I hope that's given you uh, an, uh, basically a, a, the inspiration to perhaps think of a different type of lifestyle if you are a digital nomad I'd love to hear from you because I'd love to chat to you uh, maybe I'll um, bump into you uh, do get in touch it's theappguy.co theappguy.co or you can also uh, email me paul at theappguy.co paul at theappguy.co what a great episode I'm going to go now and uh, go and have a beer near the monkey forest and have some uh, nasi goreng thank you very much for listening to this very special episode brought to you from it Bali, Indonesia. All the best. Let me know your plans if you are traveling and uh, thanks for listening. Bye for now.